0: to you. I know that you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today. You know, we are looking forward to next week being Christmas Eve, of course, our 10, 10 15 worship time in the morning, and then five o'clock back under the steeple for our annual Christmas Eve service. And we always try to make that time so special, but I'm not sure how we can top what's happened today. It's just been a great day. Now, I don't know if you knew what was going over here with the guitar during prayer. um, Being the Bible scholar that I am, I interpreted that as the voice of God. And he was saying, as Katie was praying, the I translated that. He was saying, give all you got to Lottie Moon. So that's the voice of God this morning speaking there. Um, and then my friend, Brother Dave Valentine, the trumpet. I love it. I love it. He's blessed our hearts so many times. And these two young ladies have blessed our socks off. And you guys were so courageous. You're looking at like a scared or anything. It's just an amazing day. Hadn't it been a good day in the house of the Lord? Really have. Amen. Really have. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we've entitled, and it's an annual series, by the way. We do it every year, called The Song of Christmas. And we take a different carol, a different Christmas song, and we preach around that for the four or five weeks around Christmas. And this week, this year, has been God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. It's a great song. I'm amazed at how many of these carols are so deep in their theology. And the verse this week um, says this. So listen carefully. From God, our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem, and here's the key line, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. By any measure... <laughs> You know, births are always amazing and miraculous. I had a great spill plan for Brent. Brent asked me to introduce, you know, Becca and Trenton, and I was ready. I was psyched. I was pumped. I was going to get up and say how that y'all have heard of Abraham and Sarah and how they gave birth in their old age. And I wanted to let you know that Trenton, or that Trent and that Brent and Tracy were expecting. <laughs> and then I was going to say a new daughter-in-law. <laughs> And Trenton and Becky, we're, Becky, we're just so excited. It's just big news. I was here when you were like five years old, and to watch you grow up into the man that you are, and now to see your future wife, we're i excited, and we celebrate. And I, I shook—I shook Brent's hand. The man is ringing wet. He, I said, you're sweating like a horse. My goodness, alive! How amazing is that? So anyway, births by any measure are amazing, and certainly so, more so. Abundantly so than at Christmas time when we talk about not just the birth of a baby, but the birth of a baby like none other. In fact, again, as the song says it, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. The sermon title today, in case you didn't grab it off the video and on the sermon sheet, is Emmanuel, one of us. Emmanuel, one of us. That God became flesh. And lives here, and that's just the amazing truth of what Christmas is all about—that God came down from heaven, incorporating a human body, and was born and lived among us. You know, there's been lots of attempts to talk about that, and it's probably something that people wrestle with. And I remember from a long time ago hearing a, a, a spiel, a speech about about a man and some birds. And so I I asked Dave, I said, Dave, do you remember this? He goes, I never heard it before. And then I asked Gene, he said, yeah, I vaguely remember it. So, of course, you can Google anything. And I Googled it. And turned out it was one of Paul Harvey's. Now, some of you all remember Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story. Um, Paul Harvey, and some of you do not know that name anymore. He died several years ago, but he was just a news commentator that was just world famous for his style. He had about a five-minute show he did every day and was carried, syndicated on many stations. And like I say, his tagline was, and now you know the rest of the story. Well, he, one day in 1965 around Christmas time, told a Christmas story that really explains the importance and how it was that God became flesh. The story goes something like this. He said there was a man, and he wasn't a Scrooge or anything like that. In fact, he was a a good man, a a tender-hearted man, but he really wrestled with the idea, the whole idea of God becoming flesh, and he could not get his arms around that. And so, sure enough, Christmas Eve came one year, and his family, at least his wife and children, always went to the Christmas Eve service. And so, that year, he thought it would be really hypocritical of himself if he went to Christmas Eve service celebrating something he did not believe in. Again, he was a good man. He just couldn't get his arms around that. So he told his wife, I'm not trying to stress you on Christmas Eve, but you need to know that tonight I'm not going to Christmas Eve service. I would just soon stay home. You go ahead. I'll wait up for you. It was midnight Christmas service. I'll wait up for you and I'll be up when you get back. And so the family got into the car and, and they drove off. And as they drove off, he noticed that it started to snow. And it snowed a little bit more and a little bit more. And he looked out the window and saw that the snow was coming down. He went in and sat down by his, by his fireplace in his chair and decided to reach the paper to catch up on the day's news. As he's sitting there reading his paper, he hears a thump. And it startled him. And sure enough, another thump thump, thump. And so he thought some kid or someone was throwing snowballs at their front living room window. So he gets up and goes to the door. And as he opens the door, and there's the snow, of course, but he sees a flock of birds. And these flock of birds are in trouble. The snow is now very heavy, and they are caught out in the storm. And they could see inside and see the warmth of in there and the protection of that, whatever that was on the other side of that glass. And they assumed they could fly through the glass. And so they're seeking protection and have flown into the window. You've probably had this happen in your house. I know we have several times had birds try to fly into a glass window. Well, he felt really bad. He said, I can't leave the birds out there. What can I do? And then he thought. He says, well, we have this stable out there. And they had a a pony, a horse, that they bought their kids And so he puts on his shoes and puts on his coat and he opens the door and he goes out to the barn and he throws open the doors, turns on the light to attract their attention and offered them a place of safety. Well, you can guess what happened. Nothing. The birds did not go into the barn. Instead, they stayed where they were and they flittered about again in the midst of the storm. And so the man said, surely if I go get some food, these were baddest birds, he thought, um, if I go get some food and lead them to the barn, they'll follow that. So he went and got breadcrumbs and sprinkled a trail from the birds, not too close, but from the flock of the birds to the barn and the birds totally ignored the food. So then he said, well, maybe I can urge them. So he walks around behind the flock and kind of does like this. And of course, they were frightened to death and they went everywhere except for in the barn. So he's concerned, he goes, what else can I do? And so then he realized that he, they saw him as a strange creature that was trying to hurt them. He realized that they saw him not as a friend, but as a foe. And he said to himself, You know, if only I could become a bird. If only I could become one of them and speak their language and mingle among them, I could tell them that I'm not trying to hurt them. Rather, I'm trying to help them and get them to the place of safety. About that time, the church bells started pealing out down at the local church. And above the wind, he could hear the bells pealing out. The good news of the christmas story and he thought about that if only i could become one of them mingle with them speak their language i could tell them that i'm trying to help them and not hurt them and he fell down on his knees and he believed because he understood so many people are frightened by God. That how can this God, that this huge God, you know, how could he love us and embrace us? And hence Christ came to tell us, as one of us, that God loved us. In fact, the story is, of course, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you remember this part of this verse 17? For God did not son, send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And that's the Christmas story, that God became flesh, to mingle with us, to become one of us, to provide a way that any person who would believe could come to relationship, but the Creator, God. How amazing is that? Matthew knew it was a story that was too good to be true. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and it's really, he was a Jew... And so he had been raised and taught the lineage uh, the, idea, the, the lineage, and the idea that a Messiah was going to be born. So he was familiar with that. And when Christ came along, he was a tax collector, which was the bottom of the totem pole, which was pawn scum in the eyes of all the other Jews. He worked for the Roman government, and people despised him. He had no friends. He had a very small social circle because no one wanted to be around him. And one day Jesus walked up and said, follow me. And he did. He followed him. And so after, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Matthew writes his story. And he knew that we need to get the message out, that he needed to get the message out about the Christmas story. And so he wrote in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. And he starts by saying this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So he said, I I thought about two or three weeks ago when we spoke from Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, and where we talked about the idea of the concept that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. when the time was right. And now it seems like Matthew's doing the same thing. Now, let me tell you the story of how this Christmas thing came about. He knew we needed to know. So the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now, it's so unique. I don't know if you know this or not, but the name Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, actually jesus is the greek form of the name joshua so jesus is the greek form of the hebrew name joshua and it means god yahweh jehovah is salvation and it was kind of like you it's, it's it's no different really than mike or david I mean, it was a very, very common name among Jewish boys. And it's almost kind of like a prayer. Um, The Jewish people looking forward to the day when God would send salvation, they would name their boys this name saying, there's hope, you know, God is salvation, Yahweh is salvation, Jehovah is salvation. But again, it was a common name. It was one you assigned to lots of boys. What makes this unique is that Matthew didn't say, now the birth of Jesus took place. He said the name, the birth of Jesus Christ, took place this way. Christ. The anointed one. The selected one. The special one. This was not only, this was not any Mike or any David. This was Jesus. God is salvation. The anointed one. And Matthew had to make this apparent to the, to the Jewish believers. Because again, there are so many people running around with the name of Joshua, with Jesus. He had to help them understand the truth that this was not just any Jewish baby. And then it gets harder. Because he says, he says so it went like this. So when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child. That's complicated. Now, I think you, a lot of you, but not all of you, have heard how marriage was handled back in the... Not handled like, like it is today, but here's how it kind of goes down in the Jewish culture. In the Jewish culture, of course, most marriages were arranged by the parents. They are arranged marriages. And what would happen is the the husband, the future husband, and they called it actually the husband and wife, they, they came together and there was a ceremony. But then but then they lived apart. They both went back to their parents' homes, okay? There were no physical relationship. No, no physical relationship. And after a year, they were brought back together and their marriage was consummated. And then they were officially married. But for all legal practical purposes at the very get-go they were committed to one another just like they were married in fact the only way to break this engagement this betrothal was divorce was divorce i mean it was a commitment to one another even stronger than the than the engagement that these two just entered in so we have mary she's betrothed as i just explained to joseph They've not had any physical relationship, and she shows up pregnant. Now, there's a formula, A plus B plus C equals D. A, Mary is betrothed to Joseph. B, they've not been together. C, she shows up pregnant. And D equals scandal. Scandal. Mary, a still single girl, a virgin, is pregnant. And, of course, again, Matthew gives us that caveat that we understand, but don't you believe for a minute people understood back in those days when this was happening. It says, so before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I mean, imagine, if you will, your daughter shows up at your house and says she's pregnant, but it's from the Holy Spirit. You would say the same thing most people said that day. Yeah, right. Because it never happened happened before, and it made no sense. So we have this young woman. She's single, if you will, no no physical relationship. And she's pregnant. And she says, by the Holy Spirit. So Matthew really knows this needs some explanation. So tonight, oh, you need to come tonight. Tonight, we're going to baptize at least four, probably five people. We're going to hear a wonderful concert um, tonight on the history and and the coming of of the Christ child. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. That's three great reasons to come to church tonight. I hope that you won't miss that. So, So just again, the celebration of what all that was about. Involves this, this coming. We have to have an explanation. why all of this is going to happen. And in that, in that concert that David's going to sing. And Dave and, and Victoria and Jenny are singing tonight. There's a song called Matthew's Be- Begots. And it's the genealogy. They sing the genealogy in Matthew. And it kind of goes like this. So-and-so begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot, so-and-so who begot so-and-so, you know, the dad begots the son, the son begot, the son begot, and on and on it goes. Well, in verse number 16 of Matthew chapter 1, let me read this to you, because again, Matthew knows we need some explanation here, because we have a girl who has not yet come together with a man, and she's expecting, and she says it's from God. Matthew writes these words. And this is verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph. Jacob begot Joseph. Now, logically, what should follow is, if you look at the begots, is, and Joseph begot Jesus, and on it would go. But that's not what happens. Instead, here's what Matthew writes. And Jacob begot Joseph Joseph the husband of Mary of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ Matthew makes it very clear that Joseph was not the earth the physically father the physical father of Jesus Christ it was not like all the others listed it was not like the ones listed before because it was not like the one listed before Mary was expecting a child but it was by God It's huge because if Jesus is going to be the savior of the world, he can't be like any other man. He had to be the God man. 100% God, 100% man. And that's exactly what happens in this. Later on, Matthew even says in verse 17, the next verse he says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And, and, um, From David to the captivity of Babylon, are 14 generations. And from the captivity of Babylon unto the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, are 14 generations. So this was like, this had never happened before and it will never happen again. This is big news. A virgin, a virgin named Mary is expecting a child and she's not been with a man. How amazing is that? I keep looking at my watch because, yeah, that's cool. Okay, very good. So let's look real quick at Mary's story. What's Mary's take on this? And I so appreciate it already Brent's read the story to you. It's just amazing. Um, I'm going to read from Luke chapter uh, 1, just like Brent did a few minutes ago. Let me read to you, and then we're going to slow down and talk a little bit more in just a few verses. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, one full of grace. The favored word there is the word grace. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greetings this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, you have found grace with God. Now let's continue in Luke one thirty-one, And let's hear Mary's side of the story. What happened, Mary? Well, the angel's speaking. And behold, he says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. In other words... Traditionally, you're going to have a child in your womb. But it will not be from a man and a woman. It will be a woman and almighty God. You know, there's a great verse over in Hebrews chapter 10 that I've really not tied into Christmas before. But if you look, it really fits so well. In Matthew chapter 10, verse number 5, Hebrews, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 5, it says this, Therefore, when he came into the world, Christ, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. You know, the Bible clearly teaches in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What we are today was handcrafted by God. One of the things that makes something special when something is handcrafted. Well, the next time you look in the mirror and you really don't like what you see, just remember this, you were handcrafted by God. God looked in His arsenal of human human bodies, if you will, don't take that too far, and made you one of a kind. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it was true when the Bible says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. God prepared a body for Jesus. But in His way, He did it without the help of a man. He goes on and says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And listen. Then I said, Behold, I have come. And the volume of your book, of your book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. What he's saying is, is that God prepared a body in Mary's womb for Jesus to use. And that body was born to die. The sacrificial system was not sufficient. Lambs and goats could never take away the sin of man. So Jesus became a man, was placed in Mary's womb, and that body grew, and at age 33, he died on a Roman cross, not accidentally, on purpose, because he came to die. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just a great truth? You know, Easter and Christmas are so tied together. So tied together. So so anyway. So the angel says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Remember, what does Jesus mean? Je- Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. That God is salvation. He will be great. In fact, the so great there's none other like him. He'll be called the Son of the Most High, a man like no other. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Not only a man like no other, a king like no other. And in his kingdom there will be no end, a kingdom like no other. See, Jesus is a -a one-of-a-kind man. There is no other like him. He's going to be greater than any other. He's going to be a man like no other. He's going to be a king like no other. And he will have a kingdom like no other. Well, Mary said, of course, verse number 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin, since I know not a man? Now, she's not questioning the fact that God could do it. She kind of wants to know, how is it going to happen? How is it that all this is going to happen? Well, the angel says in verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is good. See that word overshadow? If you're a note taker, underline that in your Bible and write it down. Overshadow. You know what word that is? In the Hebrew, it's the exact same word that would be used when the Holy Spirit the presence of God filled the Holy of Holies. When when God showed up in the Holy of Holies, that singular place that the priests only go once a year, when God showed up in the Holy of Holies, it was said that God's presence overshadowed that place. Listen to this. You might say, and not be biblically incorrect at all, that Mary's womb became a Holy of Holies. God overshadowed her, the the very essence and presence of God entered her womb. How amazing! How powerful is that? The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called holy, to be set apart. I love Second Corinthians five twenty one. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, unlike any, every person here is born with a sinful nature, but not Jesus. He was born holy. He was the son of God. And Mary's response, and Brent, you read it. Mary's response was, let it be. Let it be. Your your maidservant says, let it be. And that's her story. Well, we still hung out there with Joseph back in Matthew chapter 1. We still got well, Matthew out there, Joseph, saying, I mean, he's betrothed to a girl, this young girl, and she's pregnant, and she says it's of the Holy Spirit, but she, he has doubts. You would have doubts. Well, in verse 19, back in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and I'm willing to put her to shame. If you ever, guys, if you're looking for a mentor to follow besides Jesus, pick Joseph. He was a man of honor. He wanted to do the, he wanted to do the right thing. If he admitted, if, if, he, if, he, if he went ahead and married Mary, that's hard to say. If he married Mary, consummated the marriage finally, then people might say, yeah, he's the dad. And he didn't want to, be, he didn't want to admit guilt for a sin he didn't commit. So he wrestled with that. To marry her, it would seem in his eye, to admit a mission of guilt. And that concerned him. But at the same time, he's a compassionate man, unwilling to put her to shame. He so loved her, and his heart was so tender, he didn't want to publicly shame her. So he decided the logical thing to do, the most honorable thing to do, would be to go ahead and divorce her quietly. And it's really strange. If I understand it right, it's almost like... You get in a room, and you have two witnesses, and I think the guy would say something like, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and you're divorced. It was over. There'd be no public accusation. There'd be no public trial. Certainly, there'd be no stoning. None of that would take place. And so he thought in his mind, as an honorable man, wanting to do the right thing, as a compassionate man, not wanting to shame her, that seemed like a logical thing to do. Verse 20, so as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, an angel speaking to Joseph now. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear what people are going to say. Do not fear if those with a judgmental spirit would want to point their fingers at you. You know, I would tell you that I'm a person who wrestles with things like that, being a person who likes pleasing people. I'm learning in my older age, and I will never learn it before I die, I'm certain, but there's only an audience of one that I need to please, and that's God Almighty. It's not 15 deacons or 30 Sunday school teachers or 300 Baptists. It's just God. So so the angel says, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. And he confirms, look, for that which is conceived in her, she's telling the truth, Joseph, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And and she's going to bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This Jesus thing keeps popping up. (laughs) The angel says to Joseph, it is from God, and she is going to bear a son. And when the time comes for the naming ceremony, you're to name him Jesus. But now it goes a little, Even though Christ is not attached here, what Matthew says next is huge. Remember, Jesus means what? Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. So he says, you shall call him Jesus. God is salvation. Look what comes next. For he will save his people from their sins. This is not a prayer for God is salvation. It is a proclamation that Jesus is salvation. Jesus is salvation. He said, he said that I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So the angel is telling Joseph that what is in Mary's womb is the way to God. He is salvation. He's not just whispering a prayer that Jesus, we pray for salvation. Jesus is the essence of salvation. And then he, just, then he just really ties it in. In verse number 22, all this took place, Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet 700 years. Before the birth of Christ. Behold. The virgin shall conceive. God will overshadow her. Her womb will become a holy of holies. And God himself will prepare a body. For Jesus to use. Behold the virgin shall conceive. And bear a son. And they shall call his name. Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Us. I like what one commentary said. It was, so, it was so clear and made so much sense. It's not like they named him Emmanuel. It's who he was. It's who he was. The essence of who Jesus is, is God with us. Do you remember the story? The story at the very beginning? If I could only become one of them, if I could mingle with them, if I could speak their language, that I could tell them that I love them. I could tell them I'm trying to help them and not hurt them. I could tell them that the barn is a place of safety. So God became flesh and dwelt among us. He mingled with us and he spoke our language. And he said, I love you. I love you. I love you regardless of your skin cover. I love you regardless of what you have to bring to the table in wealth and talents. I love you. I love you in spite of what you have done in your life. Whether you count yourself a sinner with a huge pedigree of sin, or whether you count yourself as rather religious and good. We all need a Savior, and God's message is, I love you. So, when Joseph, this is verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife. I love this. And knew her not, she remained a virgin, until she had given birth to a son. Can you guess what his name was? And he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. God is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. And the essence of salvation is that Creator God, holy and perfect, loves us. He loved us enough to send His Son, Jesus, to become a human so He could die on a Roman cross because of the wages of sin is death. He died on a Roman cross and then offers the free gift of eternal life to every person, including you, Amen. including you. Maybe you came today, you heard Dave was playing the trumpet or the girls were singing or perhaps, you know, something else. It's Christmas time, so people ought to go to church at Christmas. Regardless, you got the opportunity to hear the great news that God became a man and he became a man because he loves us and he loves you if you're willing to believe in Jesus Christ and turn from your sin and follow him, then you can call Creator God, Father. How great is that? One commentary said that Jesus was his earthly name. Christ was his heavenly title. And Emmanuel was who he is. God with. Us. Let's pray together. Isn't that good news? Religion's such bad news. <laughs> Religion's just not good news. But the good news is that God made a way that every person can come into relationship with Him. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what it's all about. It's just great news. And today, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and we have what we call a decision time at the end of the service. And you're here today, and you heard this message. You go, "Oh my, I need this so desperately. I know I'm not, I'm, not, I'm separated from God. I know if I were to, go- someone told me this not too long ago that if I were to die, I know I'd go to hell. And that day, that person trusted Christ, and they went from a destiny of hell to a destiny of heaven. Not because they earned it, not because they were good enough. Not because they changed their behavior, but because they trusted Jesus. And today, we want to give you that opportunity. So my friend Brent Brent will be standing down front. And if you're here today, and you'd like to know more about how you can make Jesus your Savior, how he can forgive your sins, the good news of what he's done for you, just go down and take Brent by the hand and say, Hey, Brent, I know you've had a busy weekend, but do you mind telling me a little bit about Jesus? Because I like what I heard today. I believe God loves me. And I want to come in a relationship with Him. And we would be glad to share with you what God can do for you today. Maybe you're here today and you've trusted Christ, but you've never been baptized. Do you know you could be a part of the baptismal service tonight? Now, baptism doesn't save you. It's simply, I told the kids today last week, Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll be baptized. If you love me, you'll be baptized. Be baptized in my name. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And He commanded us to be baptized. It's a way to say, I love you, Jesus. That's what baptism is about do doesn't wash away our sins. doesn't make us any more eligible for heaven. It's just a way to say, I believe in Jesus, and I want to follow Him in that baptism. Come down and tell Brent that, and we'll add you to the roster tonight, and we'd love to baptize 10 tonight instead of five or four. We would love that. Maybe you're here today, and God spoke to your heart about becoming a part of this fellowship. There's something special about being a member of something, and we'd love to have that. We count you as family if you come, but if you feel like led today, to be a member of our church, come talk to Brent. And you know what? lot's going on. We got a dear lady out in the hospital, Jane Franks, who is on her journey toward heaven. Unless God intervenes in a super miraculous way, Jane will be going to heaven soon. We had some go to heaven yesterday. Connie Horton's dad went to heaven yesterday. In recent weeks, we've had several pass away. So maybe you just want someone to pray with you today. Maybe you're facing a surgery. Maybe... The doctor said that C word, the cancer word. Maybe you've got a friend or a relative who's lost. Maybe you've got some children you're concerned about. Maybe you just want to come and pray. And we've got some folks who would love to pray with you. This is your time. It's time for you to respond to what God has spoken to your heart about. News that you don't respond to doesn't help. It's when we respond that the good news becomes good news for us. So I'm going to pray. and. Then the team's going to lead us in a song. And Brother Brent, would you stand out front, and we invite you to come. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for this very high privilege of sharing this truth today. It's overwhelming, and overwhelming in a good way, that Jesus, you became flesh. I can't get over the idea of God, you forming that body in the Holy of Holies of Mary's womb, overshadowing her womb, filling her womb with your presence, and create a body a body that was to be used later to be hung on a Roman cross as payment for the sins of mankind. How amazing is that? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw people to Jesus. Draw people to the Father today. And we pray it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. We invite you to stand and sing with us again. Brenda will be standing down front. This is our decision